It's time for To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington, a power hour of all things Southern Miss. For questions or comments, call 601-261-0898 or pound 981 for C Spire customers. Now we go live to the studio with Jamie. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. I am your host, Jamie Arrington, here with your weekly break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda out there in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. In studio with me, as always, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. To the top, man. How are you? To the top. We got a great show lined up today, man. We got, of course, we had the big win this past weekend over Louisiana Tech. Mm -hmm. Southern Miss Director of Athletics, John Gilbert, is going to be on the show today. All right. We're going to have a... a piece of that interview on the radio show, if you want to hear it in its entirety, check out our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. We're going to have the, the entire interview with John Gilbert. Got into a lot of questions that you guys may have had about things going on with the university right now. Also got to know him a little bit better, so I think it's going to be a great episode. A little bit of news before we really get into everything. Cameron Tom, former Southern Miss Center, was promoted to the Saints' 53-man roster today. Uh, apparently there were some teams out there trying to snag him, Washington Redskins for one. Mm-hmm. So the Saints went ahead and moved him on up to the active roster. Yeah, moving on up. Moving on up. I'll take it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's nice to – it's nice that – it's first of all, we have a ton of guys in the NFL right now. Oh, oh we do. It's, it's a great um, amount of guys in the NFL. As, as many as, as I can remember, honestly. Even those, you know, back in the quote-unquote glory days in late 90s. and um, I think that's a, it's a pretty comparable time. I mean, you think back to that – what was it, the 99 season where you had like three or four guys get drafted? You had a lot of those. I mean, it's very comparable to the amount of yeah. players we had like in the league at that number of time. draft picks, maybe not quite there yet, but I think it's coming. Oh, yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think I think the word is out that, you know, you, you, you can come down to Southern Miss and you can get you can get players. And, you're, and you, you might not be able to get them under the radar that much longer. Oh, absolutely. Also, um, Kind of news, Jalen Richard. He uh, he might get the start this week against the Buffalo Bills. Their running back Marshawn Lynch is suspended, so you guys keep an eye for on that if you like oh, following yeah, the because Marshawn ran off the field. He ran straight onto up the field. just he just went Oakland on everybody. Ran did, out there. Did you see what he did next? Where he went incognito in the stands. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I, he was. I think he was on the on the subway or something. Oh I think yeah, they saw yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then rode the subway. Oh, it was great. Also, I saw this earlier today. Jason Munns put this out there. Apparently, Southern Miss uh, former quarterback Nick Mullins and former Louisiana Tech wide receiver Trent Taylor had a bet going on the Southern Miss-Louisiana Tech game, which resulted in uh, Trent having to put on a Southern Miss t-shirt and put it out there on social media. Yeah, and hashtag uh, SMTTT. I'm so glad Nick didn't have to do that. Oh, I am too. I, I, I would just hate having to even – well, I don't think we would even mention it. <laughs> Here's the quote. Trent Taylor said, as bad as this hurts, a deal is a deal. Hashtag SMTTT. So that was awesome. Manned up. Big weekend this weekend coming up. It's the blackout game here at The Rock. If you haven't seen those blackout helmets, they look amazing. It's basically a glossy black helmet with a matte black eagle logo on it. Yeah. It looks sharp. They're tight. couple of events that are happening – this Friday night at 7 p.m., that's October the 27th, in Spirit Park, Eagle, Eagle Palooza is back, and they've got six-time Grammy nominee B.O.B., 
for the for the kids out there, the younger guys, hey, go out and check out Bob there. Spirit Park Friday at seven p.m. Then Saturday morning, CrossFit at the Rock. My man Daryl over at Fourth uh, Street CrossFit kind of helped put this together. That Saturday, October twenty eighth at eight a.m. Go out there, do some CrossFits, uh, cross CrossFits, do some CrossFit, <laughs> eat some crawfish, eat some crawfish, do some CrossFit. Um, if you're if you're into working out at eight in the morning on a game day. Go on and take it in, but no, it's you. You get a, I think you get a T-shirt, you get a, a game ticket, uh, you get to go work out on the field. Which you know, if you're a workout warrior, that's a, that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, hopefully you don't get also drenched. Then it's the blackout game, so be sure to wear your black, everybody. Come, I mean, I'm I'm already got it. It's supposed to be a little chilly this weekend. I did see the weather forecast. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, the rain is supposed to be gone by Saturday, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be cold. But football weather, football weather, exactly. Well, and more importantly, it's not going to be a thousand while we're tailgating, right? But this is the one game where I could actually bring the grill and just not burn up the entire time, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, after the game, post game fireworks, they're bringing those back. Right. So hopefully, it's for a win. Yes, that's always annoying when it's not. Oh gosh, yeah. Also, game time was set for the Tennessee game that's on Saturday, November the 4th, next Saturday. At 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. So it's going to be a night game. I know it had been rumored to be a earlier in the day game, a noon game. But it's going to be at 6.30 p.m. So if you're not going to Knoxville, you'll be able to check it out on the tube. All right, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this past weekend's game between Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech. Later in the show, we're going to visit with Southern Miss Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. You guys come right back to us right here. On to the top talk. Welcome back to To the Top Talk. Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey here in studio. So let's get into it. This past weekend, Southern Miss took on the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Golden Eagles win in the game 34 to 27 in double 24 to 27. 34. 34 to 27. I got to lay off the rock star. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to help me stay awake here. I'm getting a little jittery. All right. What we learned. Let's start it off. What we learned. We're going to take it to special guest Fake Jay Hobson. What we learned. Uh, don't count your poker chips until they're hatched. That is correct. The Golden Eagles were down by 11 with a minute, um, minute and a half left in the game. Then Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Week, Parker Schoenfield, nails his fourth field goal of the game. It was a 49-yarder to bring Southern Miss within eight. Paxton Shrimpshire then recovers the ensuing onside kick, and Keon Howard hits Corey Robertson for a 22-yard touchdown. Then Howard finds Jason Washington, Washington in the back of the end zone for the two-point conversion to tie the game into regulation. We're tied at twenty-seven to twenty-seven. I know, you know, you see the fans on social media. I saw them on Twitter. I saw them on the message boards. Everybody was in borderline meltdown mode, and then the mood just flipped completely to the other side. You know what? I was taking a page out of your book, and I was just being just Mister Positivity. <laughs> you know, I, I was just saying, "Hey, look, it's not over, and give the guy a chance, and whatever." Enter, you know, cliche here. And then it all just kind of started to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm a- and, and, you know, I got super sick, man. Couldn't make the game. Killed me. Which, is, of course, is probably why I was like, you know, an all-time USM great game because I wasn't able to you make it to the last minute. But my dad went. And I know my dad. 
And uh, and so I text him at the end of the game. I said, tell me you stayed. And he didn't answer back. Turns out his phone had gone dead. He called me on the ride back. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I still can't believe it happened, man. Everything that you just mentioned, the, the field goal, Corey Robertson doing what Corey Robertson does, just he looks like a video game out there sometimes. He really like he, does. He split. Well, he caught it, shrugged off a um, on the uh, to get the touchdown before the two point conversion. Caught it, shrugged off a guy, split two guys. They ran into each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, ended up on Scott Van Pelt's show later on. It yeah, was, and then and then all the other stuff happened. So I, I, I still can't believe it happened. But we're gonna keep that narrative moving through through this. What we learned. All right. So number two, what we learned. Tarverius Moore brings the wood. Tarverius was named the defensive player of the game. Ten tackles. Seven of those are solo and one pass breakup. Then, in the first overtime, Tarverius intercepts Louisiana Tech quarterback Jamar Smith for his second interception of the year, fourth of his Golden Eagle career, putting the Golden Eagles in prime position to win the game. He really, he was all over the place. He was, I mean, and Louisiana Tech, this was a game where there was some slobber knocking going on. Oh, it was a all-out just slugfest all game long. You know, a lot of times it is between you know Southern Miss and La Tech, kind of like it used to be with Southern Miss and East Carolina. Sure. I don't know if it's got something to do with Skip Holtz being there, or them just being a rival or being kind of like we are. I don't know what it is, but yeah, more. Um, I'll tell you this. If you're looking, if you say, you say you go to the game Saturday and you're not sure who to watch for, I just watch number 18. Yeah, that's pretty fair. <laughs> Either side of the ball. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna disagree, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, what's number three? Keon is a gunslinger. So the Golden Eagles have the ball in the first overtime. Nick score wins the game. Coaches call a run play. Keon checks out of the run play to attempt to pass over the middle to K-Rob, which is intercepted. So we go to double overtime. Golden Eagles get the ball first. Keon goes right back where he left off, hitting Corey Robertson for a 25-yard touchdown to take the lead and later win the game. Keon was 32 for 53 for 301 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Here's the thing about Keon. He makes throws that no one else can make, and then he makes throws that you wish wouldn't have left his hands. At this point, he's a gunslinger. Hopefully the coaches will keep trying to reel him in, but it's just kind of the risk you take with this type of player. You know, and I think that we can all um, kind of, you know, like last week I mentioned Jeremy Young. It's like we just need somebody like Jeremy Young. Well, Jeremy Young like never took a chance. Yeah. It's not like I want him to just sit back there and just never just check down, check down, check down. Alex Smith, the last eight years kind of guy. Yeah. I don't mind him taking a chance. Um, And you're right. He does have a hose. It's um, (laughs) it's a live and die thing. And he's a young quarterback. So I think I think right now um, that's that's good. That was good and bad. Keon. We've had games where we saw nothing but bad Keon. And we've had games where we saw nothing but good Keon like UTSA. Sure. This past game was kind of both. Uh, yeah, that's very fair. And 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 at the end of the day, Jay, <laughs> at the end of the day, honestly, it was good enough. And so th- sometimes you just have to be good enough, and he was. And those throws, like you mentioned, that throw to Jay Sean Washington for the two-point conversion was um, w- one of the best throws, this, if not the best throw this year, clutch, yeah. especially after making that terrible check down. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah. T- to have the, the mental frame of mind to just put that to the side then come out and do what he did to Corey and then to Jay Sean. It's just, it, it speaks just volumes about his maturity, uh, like his ongoing level of maturity. Right. He's growing up right before us. Oh, absolutely. So, I, and hopefully, you know, when I think back to, you know, some of the gunslingers we've had in the past, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, Brett Favre, obviously, 
Dustin Allman, he got better as his career went along, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm hoping this is going to be more of the same. And I know there's a lot of chatter about Griggs versus Keon. I, I mean, I'm for whoever is playing, but Griggs still has a cast on his hand. Right. I mean, you can clamor all you want, but I mean, I think the coaches are going to go. And for one thing, you don't want Griggs to go in there and get hurt. Two, we've won the three past three games. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, yeah, I don't expect anything to change unless something catastrophic happens. Right. And and if it does, if something catastrophic does happen, thank goodness we got Griggs. Exactly. Right. Or vice right. versa. I yeah. mean, just whatever, man. We're all Golden Eagles. We're all on the same team. Exactly. Um, it just turns out there's only one quarterback that can play. You remember Mullins? Remember when Mullins and, uh, what was it, Tyler, uh, the kid from TCU transfer? Yeah, Tyler Matthews. Tyler Matthews. They are both really good. Yeah. We didn't really know who was going to be the guy. Ended up being, I mean, you, you can't put one out left and one out right. Although we have done that with Keon sometimes. <laughs> we'll oh, put two of them out to the Don't even get me started on Mullins going out right last year. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, what's the next one? The next one is K-Rob will have at least one TD in every other game. Theory still stands. That's your theory. That's a theory. And it, and it was looking bleak for quite a while. It was. And then he just came in court. So <laughs> Corey Robertson was named the offensive player of the game. Now, this is Jason's boy. This is my theory. So that's how we're, this is Jason's guy. Mm-hmm. But he was had nine receptions for 127 yards, two touchdowns. All right, let's break down every game this season. First game, Kentucky, he had two touchdowns. Then against Southern, zero. Then against ULM, he had two touchdowns. Then against UNT, he had zero. Then against UTSA, he had one touchdown, which is a little below the par. Mm-hmm. Then uh, against UTEP, he had zero touchdowns. Then last week against Louisiana Tech, he had two touchdowns. So by this theory, he will not score this weekend, but he'll score at least one, if not two touchdowns against Tennessee. It's hard to argue with the theory at this point. Yeah, I, it's, it's I, true. I, I would like to think that he was he's just going to absolutely go off this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I but, mean, um, who knows? Maybe he catches. Maybe every ball he catches uh, is a diving catch at the one, and whoever the court, whoever the running back is, uh, scores like four touchdowns. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll take dude. I'll take any scores of any kind, but mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like he's not going to score this weekend. But that means somebody else will. So uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of weapons out there. Yes, we absolutely do. Hey, any any word on uh, Jalen Adams? No, well, was something up? Did he well, didn't didn't Tim G- Tim Jones play in his spot? He played some. Okay, they rotate in and out. Okay. Gotcha. Um. All right. What's next? Uh, we got some depth. We've got depth. So it's so we had a lot of uh, injuries. Guys get banged up the other day. In particular, Edo Smith, Cornell Armstrong, um, Jerry Harris, Ty Pollard, among others. But we had guys step up, guys like Tess Parks. Tess, Tess comes in at running back in the second half, 15 carries for 77 yards. Uh, Rashawn Mitchell, uh, Wood Lyson, Big Lice, Alcius steps in uh, at the at the right tackle spot and and plays a heck of a game. So, you know, maybe other years past, if we lose guys like these, it would have been the game would have been over. But we got guys we can plug in and keep on playing. As far as those injuries, I'm not really sure where we stand. On, on on the injuries to Ito, Cornell, Jerry Harris. Hopefully they'll be back ready to go this weekend, but there's a possibility they might not. So hopefully these guys can can keep the party going if that's the case. So before the game, if I'd have said, all right, here's the deal. Um, Key is going to throw the ball 50 times. Ito is only going to play a half and come out injured. Um, Cornell is going to be out. 
Jaylon's going to be out for a while. Jerry's going to be out for a while. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> right. No, that's very, <laughs> on, very on, true. On the road, conference game, almost a must win. If that doesn't speak to the, like you titled it, we've got depth. If that doesn't speak to the depth here, and we've been listening to, to the coaches say it all year long. Yeah. Um, and, I, we, you know, we, 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 we reported it early, and we kind of believed it as we went. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, Louisiana Tech, I have no idea how Louisiana Technical just keeps getting beat by us. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe depth is the reason. Maybe they're cursed. I don't know. But I hope it continues for about another decade after seeing the Twitter reaction. Yeah, I about to say, I, I, they deserve it. No, yeah. I was kidding. I've got some good <laughs> Louisiana Tech friends, but there's some there's some really, really rough folks on Twitter. I don't get it. Mm. All right, what do we need to work on? We're playing too much sloppy football. Too many drops. I mean, there were several mm. drops that would have made the – I mean, that would have probably blown the game out. Too many, too many turnovers. You know, we got to get Keon reeled in a little bit. And then you had that one turnover where um, Tez fumbled at the goal line mm. that uh, would have would have given us a lead. And too many costly penalties. There's been too many times where there's been a hold or uh, a false start or just uh, there's been extracurricular. Some, yeah, and and you know I could have done those in separate categories, but it just kind of all fits together. It seems like we've played a little too much of the sloppy football lately. We are an aggressive team. Yeah. And a passionate bunch of kids. And maybe that's a byproduct of both of those. Sure. It, it, it seems like, you know, in the, in the sloppy penalty, like more after the uh, after we recovered the onside kick. Um, and then getting in a little shoving match with the guy and getting a 15-yarder on top of that. Yeah, I mean, those have to be correctable. I mean, do you want to play with less passion? No. You want to be less aggressive? No. you got to turn this switch off in a hurry. Right. You're still young guys. Uh, something we're going to have to deal with. But, you know, I, I, we've gotten better at it all yeah. year long. So, yeah. All right, what's next? Kickoffs. Briggs Bourgeois had two kickoffs go out of bounds, which, you know, I guess you take the good with the bad. He's he's boomed them in, into the back of the end zone quite a few times this season, which is a problem we had last year. But he had two of those kickoffs just go out of bounds. I don't know if it was just uh, – Shanked them. Just shanked them. Hopefully mm-hmm. he'll get it corrected. I mean, I've got, I've got faith in the guy. I mean, he seems like a – Especially when it comes to kickoffs, he's, he's been a, a great addition to the team. So I don't really think that it's a uh, a problem now. But to do it twice in the same game is is a, is a little concerning. I think he'll get it corrected. Oh yeah, well, just like Parker got it corrected when he he looked kind of bad against UTSA. True. Nearly missed an extra point, and then just could not have been any more clutch last game. Oh, absolutely. All right, some other notes on the game. Here's a, uh, something we haven't really dominated as much this year: time of possession. Golden Eagles, wow. forty minutes fifty two seconds. Louisiana Tech, 19 minutes, 8 seconds. Normally that would equate to to a blowout, but, um, you know, I guess we had a, a couple of things that, that didn't go our way that kind of affected that. Also, Southern Miss, 3 on the road for the first time, 3-0 and o on the road for the first time since 2004. Hmm. Also in the first quarter, there was a 50-minute lightning delay, and the, the game was really late getting over. I don't know if Jason Munns was able to meet his deadline or not. Ito also, with the, with the yardage he obtained in this game, he is now over a thousand all-purpose yards for the third straight season. He's sitting at one thousand and thirty-five. Demario Smith was the co-special teams player of the game with Parker Schoenfield, and I thought the uniforms looked pretty sharp. They wore the black helmet with the logo we've been wearing the past few years—the ghost logo, as they call it—white jerseys and gold pants with the black stripe. I thought they looked sharp. Yeah, our uniform game the entire year has been pretty strong. Honestly, I mean, if, I mean, you look at the ninety-seven, the uh, ninety-seven throwback uh, last week. Then you look at and, and this week coming up. Yeah. What 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 what, what uniform we're going to wear with those helmets? I would imagine all black. What's well, the blackout? Yeah, I would imagine you wear black pants, black jerseys yeah. with that helmet. I think it'll look sharp. Awesome. 
So before we get to the UAB game, coming up after the break, I'm going to play a clip of my visit with John Gilbert. If you want to listen to that in its entirety, check out the podcast. Look for To The Top Talk on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. We're going to have this episode in its entirety. I kind of just wanted to get to know the guy better. I really haven't had the opportunity to talk with him. Finally got together, set a time to meet. We, we met earlier today, did this interview, talked about a few of the concerns. We can't get into everything. We, we, didn't, we had about an hour to get this done in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to ask him everything. We didn't go into any detail about basketball, baseball, anything like that. But we talked a little bit about him, where he came from, and we talked about some of the things that I know you guys were concerned about, you know, the sound at the stadium, the, the ticket sales, things like that. So I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I had a great visit with him today. Yeah, I'm glad that, number one, that you did it. And also, I mean, I'd like to think this show kind of sort of has the finger on the pulse of, of what the fan base is usually – Talking about absolutely, and, uh, you know that's what and, we try to and, do, and and hopefully you asked those questions. If you didn't, it is uh, not a reflection on me. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, director of athletics here at Southern Miss, John Gilbert. All right, welcome back to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey here in studio. So I sat down earlier today with Director of Athletics here at Southern Miss. We're going to go to that interview right now. Here he is, John Gilbert. All right, I am here in the Narnia of Southern Miss Athletics, the office of the Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. Gilbert, thanks for coming on the show. Have you ever listened to To the Top Talk before? I have listened. Uh, Bump is uh, pretty good. Oh, come on now. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit about you. Now, for somebody that's working in sports, you probably have somewhat of a sports background. How did you get in, involved in sports? Well, well, I knew all along, uh, first I wanted to be a player. And, you know, I realized pretty quickly that my skill level was only going to get me so far and so I really knew uh, pr- probably late high school, early college that I wanted to work in athletics. And so uh, initially thought I'd be a coach. Uh, coached, uh, I was a graduate assistant football coach at Eastern Kentucky University and then uh, coached high school for two years. Uh, Lakeland, Florida, Kathleen High School, a uh, town where I grew up. Uh, I ended up not being a very good coach. We had three NFL players on that team, and we went six and four. Uh, so so uh, got into administration shortly thereafter. You played in college. What, what position did you play? Played tight end. Uh, I played Division two football, and I you know, was an okay player, not great. When, when I played, talent wasn't a prerequisite. So <laughs> I was, uh, you know – I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. You know, it's the same uh, same college Rick Barnes went to, okay. uh, the basketball coach. So, um, you know, Division two school in Hickory, North Carolina. Carson Newman, uh, you know, was a big rival. Uh, so re- really enjoyed that experience and then went to Eastern Kentucky from there as a graduate assistant football coach. How did you end up uh, at the University of Alabama? Well, I really have my wife to thank for that. Uh, it was October of 94. 
my wife was an All-American swimmer at the University of Alabama, and they offered her an assistant coaching position at Alabama. And so we were in the middle of football season. I was coaching high school football, and I said, you know, to take that job. It, it'll be a great place to live. We've always talked about living in a college town. We had only been married eight months. And um, she took it in, in October of 94. And then I finished coaching football season. Uh, in January of 95, I moved to Tuscaloosa. There were a lot of opportunities to coach, but they couldn't find me a teaching position. And about that time, uh, Glenn Tuckett, who was the interim AD at Alabama at the time, he offered me a full-time position for the great sum of 12500 a year <laughs> plus benefits. And, and it probably was the best opportunity that I've had. You, you know, people talk about sometimes you got to take a step back to take a step forward. I was making, you know, I can't remember what I was making teaching. I'm going to say 30000 I was a, a teacher. I coached football and track. And I moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and took a job for 12500 And so not many people are willing to do that. Uh, I did it. I worked 100 hours a week. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be here today had I not done that. And so I'm really appreciative for, for that opportunity. That's one thing people don't realize. To be successful working in sports, you kind of have to be a workaholic. And most everybody in this building probably is here a lot of the time. Yeah. It, it's really a lifestyle thing. Like when you, when you think about athletics, we all, you know, we love sports. Uh, and, and I would say the population, uh, generally likes sports. It's really a lifestyle. Uh, I work pretty much every day, e- even on uh, a so-called day off. I still get calls from coaches. I still get calls from colleagues. Uh, you never know when an issue arises. And so it really is a lifestyle choice. Uh, I'm, I'm happy I made that lifestyle choice. Uh, my family is happy we made the lifestyle choice. But it, it's certainly um, it, it's more than a job to me. You kind of you were at Alabama for, gosh, what September nineteen ninety five to October twenty eleven. Did you kind of work your way up there? I, I did. I was in uh, the first office I had there. I, I would call it a closet. I think uh, <laughs> the restroom that I have now in my office is bigger than the first office I I had at Alabama. But I went through uh, multiple positions there. Uh, started off running event management, which, you know, back in 1995, there wasn't an event manager. You know, the media relations guy, the business office guy or girl, they kind of all ran, you know, game day. And so about that time, it started evolving to, hey, let's have an office that manages the events. And so I really started that at Alabama. And 16 and a half years later, I left as the external position. So I was very fortunate to work for a lot of good people there. Uh, and, you know, I moved through multiple positions. I was in event management facilities and I moved into development. And, oh, wow. and, and, and there are not many people that, that make that cross. So uh, I was very fortunate um, you know, I worked for Mal Moore and Dave Hart there and uh, just, you know, learned a lot and had a lot, a lot of opportunities there and thoroughly enjoyed my time there. 
two Southern Miss-related events from your time at Alabama. First, let's talk about the game in 2000. What do you remember about that game in Birmingham? Uh, I, I won re- nothing. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> uh, that was uh, Mike DuBose. Oh, yeah. Um, and knew going into the game that it would be a, a tough game. And I tell you what I remember most. I had two friends from Lakeland, Florida, where I grew up, came up to the game. So uh, got them on the sideline. They were all fired up. And then at the end of the game, you know, obviously we, we were on the wrong end of the score. So uh, I do remember that game, remember it well. You know, th- there was a – and is a a lot of respect from uh, the Alabama base for Southern Miss. You know, there are a lot of ties there. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, there was a long-term contract. It could have been like eight to ten years. And and I can remember all the the coaches, football coaches, talking about once Southern Miss gets off the contract, we are not playing them anymore. (laughs) They're they're too good. And so, you know – Great program, uh, great history, great tradition. And, you know, that's really one of the reasons I took the job. You know, I knew that the branding of Southern Miss was very good. I'd been on the sidelines against them and saw, uh, you know, w- what they look like up close and personal, what their fan base was like. And, and I knew that, you know, I've lived in the Southeast my entire life. I, I knew that you know, Southern Miss was very respected uh, competitively. And, and so that's really what intrigued me about the position. The second event, 2002, Southern Miss taking on Alabama in Tuscaloosa. One of the, the, the greatest sports entertainment moments in history. If you go on YouTube, guys, you can watch this. Seymour versus Big Al, WWE-style fight. Uh, did several hundred dollars worth of damage. What do you remember about that fight? Uh, I, I remember that it, it, it was a, a, a hard fought match. <laughs> uh, there, there were, uh, there were bruises on both sides. I would say, uh, you know, the judges scored it a draw. Um, and, uh, you, you know, something that garnered a lot of attention, uh, when an elephant and an eagle get together. Uh, so I, I do think that it was definitely an interesting event. From Alabama, you went on to Tennessee, Executive Senior Associate Athletic Director from uh, October 2011 until last February. Tell us a little bit about your time at Tennessee. You know, really enjoyed my time there. You know, Dave Hart, who I work for at Alabama, was offered the Athletic Director job at Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it was something that I knew that I needed to do professionally. Uh, it was really difficult, you know. It's, uh, you know, Alabama and Tennessee are rivals. And I know it's been lopsided recently, uh, but I can tell you, you know, I remember from my long history at Alabama, I remember a time when Tennessee was winning, you know, six, seven, eight in a row. So it, it is cyclical. Uh, but I knew that being a rival, it would be a tough transition, not only for me personally, but for my family. And so, Knew, you know, going to work for Dave would be great. And so took the position, uh, one of the best places I've lived. Uh, you know, the community is great. East Tennessee is great. Passionate fan base. Uh, they want to win at a high level. Uh, was able to grow professionally there. I kind of ran the day to day operations, 
uh, of the department, was able to work uh, multiple sports. So really enjoyed my time there. Uh, was a, a nice progression for me career-wise. Well, next week we got a game coming up with the Tennessee Volunteers in football. What's that experience going to be like for you? Well, it, it'll be interesting uh, for sure. A lot of friends that I'll get to see. Um, you know, I, I, I know exactly where I want to park. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll make sure that I request the – the certain lots, uh, it, you know, I'll eat at a favorite restaurant or two. Uh, I'm going to go up early. There are a couple of, uh, they're actually both Tennessee and Southern Miss fans, uh, that, that live in the Knoxville area. So I'm going to, I'm going to get up there and, and make sure they don't forget their roots of where they came from. So a couple people that I want to visit with that are Southern Miss grads, I want to make sure that, uh, they understand what we're doing here. Try to get them to invest in our program uh, because I do think it's important. And so looking forward to the game uh, competitively as well. Uh, and it's interesting. You know, I've had that experience when I was at Tennessee going back and playing Alabama in multiple sports. Uh, and so this will be, you know, very similar in nation uh, in relation. And um you know, no one will want to win that game more than me. Uh, so really looking forward to going to Knoxville and, you know, getting to catch up with uh, some good friends. Do you have any friends with planes? Me and Bumper are trying to catch a ride. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if if I did, I certainly would uh, would reach out and, and uh, give you all a lift if, if there are open seats. Oh. But I'll probably be driving myself. <laughs> so this earlier this year, 2017, you were hired <laughs> – as the director of athletics at Southern Miss, why did you want this job? Well, I, I wanted to be an AD. I felt like it was the next uh, step for me career-wise. Had spent a lot of time as a, you know, a director, an assistant AD, associate AD, executive senior associate, and so as you look at AD opportunities, you want to make sure that fit is uh, right. And to me, fit is almost the most important thing. And so as you look around at opportunities, I felt like Southern Miss was a really good fit for me and my family. Uh, the community is, has been wonderful. It reminds me a lot of Tuscaloosa when I first moved to Tuscaloosa, about the same size at that time. And so, again, lived in the the southeast my entire life. Tuscaloosa is about 50 miles from the Mississippi line, you know, uh, my car dealer at Alabama was from Mississippi, uh, really familiar with the state. So I felt like from a fit standpoint, it was a really good fit. One thing that kind of impressed me in your opening press conference, and this is usually how me and Bump kind of judge some of the hires, is if they come from a Southeastern Conference school and they say SEC is a noun, a verb, adjective, pronoun, you didn't say it one time. And so I was like, this guy may get it. This guy may get it. You know, uh, I'm proud of my background. Uh, it is who I am. Uh, you know, I spent 24 years in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I'm proud to be here. Uh, it, it, you know, I chose to be here. Uh, I want, you know, I feel personally responsible for everything. So, um, I want to be very good. Like I want to win at the highest level. I want to do it the right way. I want our fans to have a great experience. And so, you know, I take what I've learned from those two institutions, but we're so different in, you know, our funding models, uh, you know, that 
it's all relative. And, and so I do take that competitiveness from, from that league, but want to do it our way, uh, want to do it the right way, and want to do it at a really high level. Was it much of an adjustment coming from places where you, you have – you know, much more resources, like you said. Well, well, I would tell you I've grown professionally in the last eight months um, more so than I have in a very long time, and I look at things completely different uh, than I did at, at the previous two institutions. You know, at those institutions, you know, if they need something, they really can go out and get it. And so here you have to be more strategic. Uh, I would tell you w- we have a lot of needs um, if you lined our fan base up, uh, if we lined up a hundred people and they all got to write down one thing that we needed to do, I would beat the field on my list. And, and so, uh, I've got to make sure that we prioritize and, you know, things that are important, what we can afford and how quickly we can do them. Uh, but, uh, really excited about the opportunity here. Is, uh, is this job what you expected it to be? It, it, it is. Uh, now, you know, along with the resources, I, I, uh, you know, both financial, I would also tell you, uh, you know, we're lean from a personnel standpoint. You know, we have, we've got a lot of great people here that in reality, they're probably doing two to three jobs. Now, on the positive side, they are getting great experience. They do more than what their title says. They've got great work ethic, uh, and they know how to do multiple things. You know, coming from the previous two institutions, you can get very specialized there. You know, the media relations person, that's all they do is media relations. They don't do anything else. We don't necessarily have that luxury here, and so really a benefit uh, to work here to get the experience of uh, – you know, working in an athletic department this size, you get the opportunity to do a lot of different things. So you're eight months in. What are you most proud of thus far in your tenure? Well, uh, you know, multiple things I would tell you. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of the way our teams compete uh, despite our, our resources. I'm proud of the way our student-athletes are competing in the classroom. Uh, we had a 2.98 GPA last semester, really strong. Uh, our academic center, we're moving into the library, uh, really excited and proud about that project. And so, um, you know, I went in to uh, watch our volleyball team uh, this spring practice. They, they had a non-traditional season. And when I walked in there, um, you know, we're we're at a disadvantage for men's and women's basketball and volleyball in that they all share one court. And so from a practice standpoint, really hard for our student athletes in those sports to get extra reps. You know, they really have to go somewhere else uh, to, to do that. You know, and so I went in to watch this practice and we had the main net on the main floor and then we had taken a second net tied it to one of the poles and ran it into the bleachers and tied it off to get a second net. And so you can imagine the net, uh, you know, wasn't exactly straight, but our, our volleyball players were, were using it uh, as a second practice court uh, to, to get additional reps in. And, and initially it really bothered me. You know, it's not the experience I want our student athletes to have. 
But I went back and looked, and if you looked at our the history of our volleyball program over the last, you know, three four years, we've won twenty plus games, and, and we've beaten uh, five or six uh, Power Five teams uh, during that run. You know, we beat a we beat an institution this year in a tournament in Mobile three zero. That is much more resource than we are. So when when I see and hear anybody uh, anywhere anytime you know that really transcends football uh you know you look at who we compete against and how we compete against these other schools that are more resourced than we are i'm really really proud of that you know when you cut us open and look that's in our dna that's in our fiber that's who we are and it fires me up that that you know we can do that despite not having all the bells and whistles that some other schools have well, let's move on to talk a little bit about some things going on right now. I know one of the big hot-button topics of conversation, the game day atmosphere. And uh, I saw you had – there was an article out today discussing some of these things. Tell us a little bit about the, the sound system. I know it's not running at full capacity right now. Yeah, it's not. It, you know, I would tell you, number one, uh, I love the product on the field uh, that we have. And, and I do believe firmly that our fan base – that they ought to come see that. Uh, you know, I personally take attendance as my responsibility. You know, I want to make sure that we provide a really good uh, game day atmosphere. I understand where that starts. Uh, it starts as you're driving in, starts in the parking lot. It starts with the person that's taking your ticket. Um, when you go to the concession stand, how quickly you can be processed through uh, and then really in-game uh, activity. Uh, you know, everyone's attention span is a lot shorter than they used to be. And so I understand and see all those things. During a game, I, I walk everywhere. I go in the upper deck. Uh, I'm on the field. I'm, I'm walking around the general stands, and I'm looking and seeing and listening. And we, we've got a lot of room that, that we can improve upon Uh our sound system is, you know, not running at full capacity. Uh, it's something, you know, the the first game against Kentucky was my first game in the Rock, and so uh, you know this about sound systems. You know, you can go in an empty stadium. If we walked outside today and we flipped it on, you would go, nah, "That sounds pretty good." Yeah. The reality is, when you put people in, it it makes it a, a much different sound effect. And so from the Kentucky game, I knew immediately, hey, it, you know, we, we've got an issue there. Let's let's look into it. And so uh, it's not operating at full capacity. Uh, it does play a huge part in game atmosphere. And so it's something we will have to remedy once the season's over. It's not something that that we can go and, and fix right away. Certainly we're going to need to do some fundraising for it. Uh, when you look at a sound system for a stadium like that, it, it's a significant price tag. So we'll need to go out and uh, – get some individuals to, to help us invest in that. That's important. Uh, making sure that we've got a good, fun game day atmosphere is important. Um, all those aside, though, I, I do go back to we're five and two. Uh, you know, 
where we've got some exciting players. Uh, I like the way our, our team is led by Coach Hobson, and I do think it's worth the price of admission to, to, to come see that. I'd, I'd watch it in the dirt, man. It's, it's yeah. really a, it's a, we got a great, scrappy team. And, you know, and a couple of things to what you said. One, that scoreboard was put up, what, 15 years ago? And there was not an end zone there at that time. Right. So none of the speakers are positioned that way. Yeah. We, we actually, you know, when I heard it uh, or didn't hear it, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, you know, I knew that we needed to look at it. And, and so, you know, we even talked about temporary speakers. And it really, um, you know, from the experts, they told us, "Hey, th- this probably not going to fix the problem. It could could make it worse." Yeah, a- a- and so uh, we're going to live with it for two games, and then and uh, see what we can do to to get it remedied uh, for next year. But hopefully, three games. Yeah, well, well, absolutely. Uh, I try not to get ahead of myself. Right. I try to do. Uh, I'm the old. Uh, let's go one at a time. Yeah. Uh, so excited about UAB. Got a lot of things going on with the game, uh, the blackout, uh, post-game fireworks, uh, family weekend. Uh, you know, we've got the CrossFit uh, yeah. deal. I will not uh, be there for that. I, n- nor will I. <laughs> I, I think I, I could do the CrossFit thing probably as long as they didn't do burpees. Uh, we saw you out here running the, the sprints. Yeah, it, it's, uh, y- you know – uh, that was a fun thing. Uh, I, I got a lot of grief from that from a lot of people because I didn't know that they were not that they were filming it, and so they actually filmed the first one, and it looked like I was slow and a little behind. <laughs> the The reality is we ran sixteen of those uh, sixteen one uh, tens with about 45, 50 seconds rest, and you had to make it the one ten in nineteen seconds. And so, uh, working out and having done that, I knew not to go out too fast because, you know, the first couple you think, oh man, 45, 50 seconds, that's a lot of rest. When you get to number 10, you realize, man, that's not much rest at all. So I really, I really pace myself and, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to get out with student athletes and be a part of it and them see me and interact, uh, you know, with them. Uh, I think it's really important. Coaching 101 right here at Southern Miss. Mark Mandel's class 2001. One of the first things that we learned, it always stuck with me, is, you know, in regards to coaching, and I guess it applies to everything else, is never ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Right. And I thought – Everybody can pick up trash. Everybody can, <laughs> And everybody can work the grounds crew. That's right. I thought that was really impressive that uh, you got out there and, 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 you know, strapped it on and, and got out there and did a little work when it was, when it was, what was, gosh, it was a monsoon during that uh, tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, during the baseball region. Yeah. You, you know, um, during my press conference, and, and this is really who I am, uh, it, it's not about me. Uh, I, you know, I do not want the focus to be on me. Uh, I want it to be on our coaches and student athletes. Um, I know at, at some point that I do need to join Twitter. I, 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 I actually, uh, <laughs> That's I, on my list. I, I do read it. Uh, so, so I see it. Um, I just haven't made the plunge yet, but you know, when I do things like that, um, you know, the, the squeegeeing the field and, and being out with the grounds crew, to me, it was important. Uh, when you host a regional like that, we can't do it by ourselves. 
you know, a lot of the grounds crew, they're our, uh, you know, they work normal jobs on campus throughout the week. You know, they came and, and worked for us. And so they're working long hours. I just wanted to be out there with them knowing that, hey, I see what you all are doing. I appreciate it. And I'm here to help. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a part of that. And so, they did take a picture of it and it got out and, and, you know, got some play that, that wasn't my intent. Uh, my intent was making sure those people that were there knew how much I appreciated them, uh, kind of like the football thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, um, not about me, you know, want it to be about, uh, our coaches, our student athletes and, and this great school. You, you mentioned the Twitter and I was going to ask you about yeah. that. So we, we did some research. Like, I know you don't have an account, but I got some Twitter handles for you. Yeah. Okay. John Gilbert USM is available. Okay. AAD John Gilbert available. Uh, USM ADJG. That's available to the Top Talk fan. That one's out there. Okay. Taylor Swift fan XOXO. I like it. That's out there. <laughs> yeah. So just some options. You, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do need, you know, I, you know, I've got, uh, two millennials at, at, uh, at home, I've got a 15 year old and an 18 year old, so I can Snapchat and I can, uh, I can create a story. Uh, and I do, I do read Twitter. It, it, it's, it's a balance. You know, I, I try, if I go on Twitter, I want to make sure that the content is the right content. I don't want it to be self promotion for me personally. Right. And, you know, I do want to be accessible. Uh, to our fan base. And, and so I feel like I've gotten out to quite a few events, uh, and, and I'm around town quite a bit. Uh, but I know that, that Twitter is important to a certain segment. And at some point I'll, I'll probably join it. it you know, the, the, the thing that I look at too, man, it's a, it's a tough world out there in Twitterville. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, you put something out. And man, they jump on it pretty quickly without having all the information. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, we've scheduled some games and done some things that, you know, quickly there becomes a backlash. And I'm like, man, this, this is a tough crowd out here. Yeah. Uh, and they don't, they're not educated and, and have made a decision, you know, to, to react. And so, I'm going to, I'm going to take my time before I jump out I there. I understand. There's, it's a mob mentality. It is. You gotta be, it is. You know, you have to kind of caution yourself not to jump in with that mob, um, in situations like I, you have to do it just about anything on social media. Right. It's, 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 uh, well, well j- just to, j- um, you know, I, I know Twitter's important. I have never ever had a Facebook account. And, and so, um, I, I know that segment's important and, and, uh, I can get on it and read it. I just haven't partaken yet. Well, you just, I mean, I'd rather you be out doing what you're doing than, than wasting time arguing with the, with the fans. Yes. Like myself. <laughs> All right. Um, back to the game day atmosphere. You know, one of the things that I know is probably going to have to be addressed at some point, and it's always been a problem here. You know, when they started the Midtown Project across the street, it took up a large segment of, of visitor parking. Right. Is that something that's kind of being looked into? Because I think that that may have affected the crowd as, as much as anything else. You know, uh, parking is a problem everywhere. Right. It, it, and so, uh, there are plenty of spaces on this campus to park. Now, like 
most people, like in the stadium, you know, will get calls for a seat. You know, I want a seat, yeah, but I, I want it on the end of the row right next to the portal. Right, right, right. And so there are only so many of those. And so I think if uh, people are willing to park just a little bit further out, you know, I've run this campus multiple times. There really is not a parking place that is far away. I, I mean, if you're if you can walk uh, and are willing to walk, it, it's really not that far. But but we do look at those things. We've got golf carts that will shuttle. Uh, you know, we've got to do all the things we can do to make the, the experience uh, easy. And it is really easy to stay on the couch. It's really easy to watch at home. It's really easy to watch on your phone, your tablet, how, however you're going to do that. And so game day uh, atmosphere is is important, and parking is a, is a part of that. And you can join the Eagle Club, and you, you can park with us. You can join the <laughs> Eagle Club, and it's, you know, the Eagle Club is our – really the the foundation of how we fund uh athletics and uh important to get everybody to join uh we did a, a i'm in campaign for the athletic department when uh, we had a meeting in august for our all department staff we had 34 of 144 staff members that were a part of the eagle club and so i thought it was really important that we invest in ourselves and so we started an I'm in campaign and I told our staff multiple times, I really don't care what the amount is. You know, I just need you to join because as we go out and talk to potential donors about investing in our program, I want to make sure they know we're all in. And so, uh, I'm pleased to announce uh, we wrapped up the campaign uh, 10 days ago, two weeks, uh, and we've got 100% participation. And we've got a lot of people that don't make a lot of money here. And so I'm very proud that we do have 100% uh, participation. And I think it's a powerful message as we go out uh, and visit with people that, you know, we're invested internally and we're going to create our own momentum. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, uh, one more thing in regards to game day, you know, and, and I know it's been bantered about the, I guess it's a battle between ticket sales and people in the stands. Right. What are your thoughts on, on that? Well, I've, I've kind of seen that you have generated more revenue right. through the ticket sales this year, but we may not have as many people in the stands. Right. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, I don't think, given the product we have uh, on the field, that we should be giving away our tickets. Uh, I mean, I can't go to my son's AAU basketball game for less than 8 to $10, and, and he's in 10th grade. And so I don't think that we should start dumping tickets. Uh, you mentioned the East Carolina game, so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, that was in 2008. Uh 12. 2012. 2012. Right. We played East, we played at, on the road at Nebraska. We came home and played East Carolina. And I'm going to compare that to the Kentucky game this year. The East Carolina game in 12, we sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 13,000, almost 14,000 single game tickets for a gross uh, single game revenue of $185,000. For the Kentucky game, we sold 4,500, 
4,900 single-game tickets for the Kentucky game for a gross revenue of 180000 So $5,000 difference between almost 14,000 tickets sold to 4,900, yet we were only off uh, $5,000 in single-game revenue. And so um, obviously I want more people here, uh, but I also know that if you just pepper uh, the – the area with free tickets, that's the expectation. You know, I can't tell you how many people call our ticket office or come by, you know, hey, are y'all, are y'all giving away or dumping tickets? And, and so wow. it's, it's a mindset. And so, um, we've got a great product. It's worth the cost of admission. And so I want to be strategic when we do that. Uh, if we're going to give it, a, give it away, I want it to be tied to something. Uh, and, and if we're going to discount it, I want it to be tied to a marketing initiative or promotion that makes sense for us. And, and so the, re- the re- rate of return uh, on a promotional giveaway like that's about 30%. So it's not as many as people think. If we give out a thousand uh, tickets, you know, 300 might show up if we're lucky. Uh, so Want to be careful how we do that. I do think we've got a great product to sell, and, and uh, you know, that that's the direction that I want to take. And, two, it's just respectful to the season ticket holders as well. It, it is. I mean, they invest in it. Uh, they don't want to see tickets dumped or discounted. Uh, you know, there's value there. Now, I do think it's important that we streamline our ticket sales. It's it's a little confusing to me. Uh, you know, when you uh, when you look at season tickets, we've got you know multiple price points and donation levels to the point where you've got to get a roadmap out to to you know talk to someone that's not a current season ticket holder to understand it. So I do want to streamline that process as well, where you know maybe there's one price for the lower level and one price for the upper. I don't know if we'll be able to streamline it that much, but it's something that I will look at doing because I do think it makes sense. You know, there should be, uh, you know, a, a consistent price point instead of, you know, the multiple price points that we do have. Another thing that kind of affects the amount of people that, that show up in the stands, I mean, it's just a landscape of college athletics. You can see it everywhere. You watch games that normally would be sold out every year, and you've got empty empty chairs. Well, talk a little bit about college athletics, how it's changing, and how you see it moving going forward. Well, I do think it is the reality of the day that you know not as many people are going to games. They are picking and choosing, and I think it is part of uh, society and you know, how we select things, you know, it's like your uh, iPod or iPhone, you're picking what apps you want, you're picking, you're picking what music you want to listen to, Uh, you know, we've become a menu society, you know, I I don't want the buffet anymore, or or I don't want, uh, you know, the whole album, I just want the one song, And, and so you're seeing that uh, in, in you know fan attendance. I don't necessarily want to buy the whole package. I just want to go to this game. And so, again, I think it's all uh, – it's not a problem that's unique to Southern Miss. Every school, and I do mean every, uh, is, is facing the same problem. So I think, uh, 
you know, we need to look at how we evolve as an athletic department to, to help cater to those individuals. How do you get people to come out to games in that regard? And how do you get them to stay there? <laughs> yeah, well, well I, I think they've got to find value in the product on the field. That's the most important thing. And then I do think the entertainment on the side has to be good. And certainly if you you look at, you know, the, the previous two institutions, we've got to figure out how to make Wi-Fi more available. Uh, you know, my kids go to a game. They want to be on their phone. They want to Snapchat their friends. They want to look at Instagram. You know, they want to talk to their buddy that's, you know, uh, on the other end of the stadium, you know, doing something else on the phone. And so technology plays a key part in that technology is expensive you know even the big schools are investing large dollars in that and i think it will trickle down uh, to us as well moving on to scheduling it seems like and you said this many times in the media that you're going to concentrate on getting regional games games that our fans can go to is that kind of the way you're moving forward with this I think that, you know, scheduling is a lot like shaving. Uh, I've said that you've got to do a little bit every day or you can get behind and have what you have, a beard. That's right. right. Uh, <laughs> and so it's something that we we talk about and think about daily. In a perfect world, I would tell you we want to play games that are more regional in nature. You know, games that our fan base can drive to, they find those games of interest. And so when you can play Mississippi State and Tulane, th- those are games that uh, our fan base cares about and, and uh, makes sense for us to play. Now, scheduling is a puzzle, and teams schedule so far in advance that sometimes you you can't play a team you know right next to you and so you are forced to play games a little bit out of region i'd i'd like that to be an outlier and not the norm so in, in all practical purposes would love to play teams that are close at home now, i'm not and i'm not getting ahead of myself when i say this yeah but we're one win away from being bowl eligible have you started looking into bowl possibilities yet? Uh, I, you know, again, I, I talk to the people that that make those decisions. So uh, certainly talk to the commissioner, talk to people at ESPN, uh, constantly on the phone of, um, you know, wh- where the best landing spots are. And I think that's why it's so important to have good relationships in the industry, uh, to where where you can talk to those individuals and and get their their thoughts of ideas of, of, you know, where the best landing spots for, for us are and what opportunities might present themselves. You know, we could run into a scenario of, you know, there could be a year where there aren't as many bowl eligible teams and some other opportunities present themselves. And so you always want to be thinking outside the box. Is there an opportunity like that for us? Uh, I don't know that there will be, uh, but but you should be thinking about those types of things. Have you made any progress with the apparel deal? We have. I look for an announcement in the next week to 10 days. Real, oh, wow. Uh, really excited about where that is. Uh, that'll be the first ever comprehensive apparel deal that we've had. So all of our sports teams will be under one umbrella. Uh, we'll help. Uh, you know, from an inventory standpoint, will help from a recruiting standpoint, uh, will help financially, uh, just a lot of positives about an all apparel deal and, and excited about that for our student athletes and coaches. 
What are your thoughts on Conference USA and, and just conference affiliation in general? Well, I, I think it's a competitive league. Uh, certainly, if you look at it from a, uh, you know, we're in football right now. From a football standpoint, there are a lot of good teams out there. Uh, there is some parity at the top. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, the upper half of, of both divisions. There's some good football teams out there. So I do like it from a competitive standpoint. Uh, I do uh, worry about the travel, uh, the cost of travel. Uh, and what that does to our, our budget, uh, and what it does to us competitively. And so we spend a large part of our budget on travel. And, and it, you know, everybody thinks about football. Well, we're sending, you know, volleyball, soccer, track to, to, you know, faraway places. And so, you know, again, playing teams closer to home uh, helps us from a financial standpoint as well. But I do like the co- the competitiveness of our league. We don't have much time left. Do you have any scoop? Do you have any scoop you can throw on us? You know, uh, I like the Golden Eagles this weekend. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I always uh, – and I do think, uh, you know, I do think we're playing well. Our kids – I like the attitude that our, that our team uh, is playing with. Uh, we, we play with a lot of grit and uh, just excited about watching the Golden Eagles this weekend. I appreciate you coming on with us today. Do you have any final words for the Southern Miss fans out there? Ho- hope to see you in the Rock on Saturday. Uh, it, it's an exciting team and, and uh, worth your time and money to come watch the team. That was Southern Miss Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. So, Jason, there was an article that came out today that, that also had some information uh, with uh, that John Gilbert shared with Patrick McGee mm-hmm. on the Sun-Herald site. Pretty good read, just talking about some of the concerns everybody's had. We get into that on the podcast, talking about um, you know the sound system. It's, it's operating at right. less than capacity right now. I know this is the things that uh, people have had issues with, and, and hopefully it's something that will be corrected within the next year. Then also um, talking about – Tickets. Tickets as well as butts in the seats. We had a good conversation about that, so you guys be sure to check that out. All right, so when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about the game this weekend. Southern Miss taking on the University of Alabama Birmingham Blazers. You're listening to To the Top Talk right here on the score 1400 AM and News Radio 98.1 FM. We are back. Welcome back to the Top Talk. Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey here in studio. Big game coming up this weekend at The Rock. It's the annual blackout game. Southern Miss sitting at 5-2, and 3-1 and one in conference versus UA, UA Bay. The Blazers, 4-3, and 2-2 two and two in Conference USA. That is this Saturday, October the 28th at MM Roberts Stadium. Starts at 6 p.m. TV is going to be on CUSA.TV. I don't really know how that works because I'm going to be at The Rock. Right. That's the only way to watch the game. Well, you know, and I know there's people from out of town. And I'm, I'm, I mean, if I was in the same shoes and I couldn't get here, I'd want to keep up too. So go check out C-USA.TV. I think you can get a streaming package or something like that. The line in this game, it opened 
Southern Miss as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Now Southern Miss is sitting at a 13-point favorite, so almost two touchdowns according to Las Vegas. All-time, Southern Miss leads the series 10 wins to five. The last meeting was when Jordan Howard ran all over us. That was November 29, 2014, UAB 45, Southern Miss 24. A couple of key players in the game, uh, quarterback A.J. Erdley. He currently is 108 for 185, two touchdowns. Man, I got my look at those stats. My stats are all out of whack there. Hang on, I got those stats. AJ Early, 108 uh, for 186 for 120, uh, excuse me, 1,207 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. I got that mixed up. Running back Spencer Brown, who I think is banged up, 130 carries for 700 yards and six touchdowns. And then wide receiver Andre Wilson leaves the leads the receiving core, 26 receptions. 447 yards and four touchdowns. All right, how it matches up a little bit. Points per game. Southern Miss 29.6, UAB 30.6. Points allowed per game. Southern Miss 20, UAB 28.1. So you'd think that Southern Miss might have the defensive edge right there. Offensively, they are very comparable. I mean, that's uh, only a point difference per game. But uh, defense, that's an 8.1 point difference. Total yards. Southern Miss... 541.9, UAB 390. Yards allowed, Southern Miss 319.4, UAB 366.9. Yards passing, Southern Miss 263.3, UAB 186.1. So it doesn't look like they're really lighting it up in the uh, the air. Passing yards allowed, USM 203.3, UAB 191.7. So they're a little better against the... uh, Against the pass. Yards rushing, Southern Miss 188.6, UAB 204.4. And rushing yards allowed, 116.1 for Southern Miss and 175.1 for the Blazers. Last week, they fell to Charlotte 25-24 to in overtime, uh, which was a, a tough loss. We understand how that loss to Charlotte goes. This season, they have wins over Alabama A&M, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana Tech, and Middle Tennessee State. They have lost to Ball State, North North Texas, and Charlotte. That North Texas game was very close. I thought they were going to pull it out. So we got a game against UAB. We're, we're almost two touchdowns as a favorite. Mm-hmm. But typically like us to be the underdog, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. But, you know, it's one of those situations where UAB is coached by Bill Clark. And if you go back and listen to the episodes this summer, we talked about how UAB was going to sneak up on somebody. Yeah, you, I, I, I was here when you were saying those words. And I think I just agreed with you because I was staying because I was sitting right here, <laughs> um, honestly. Because I, I think you, you kind of had it right on. You, you know, a lot of times, you, I don't know how you do it. Like, you thought that Jalen Richard was going to go to the Raiders and it was going to be an undrafted you know, pick, and you thought he was going to shine, and here we are. And you said – so every time you say stuff, I, I pay attention and I don't just discount it right away. Hey, we text my wife that. Oh my goodness, no, <laughs> no, I'm staying away from from wifey things. Yeah, um, but no, it, she's but, she's always but, right. But yeah, I mean the guy can coach. Um, he's 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 hard nosed, um, and if there's any game that they're going to get up for this year, it's going to be this one. Well, the good news is they're not going to sneak up on us because they've already snuck up on several teams. Mm-hmm. You know, Louisiana Tech. Yeah, what happened in that Tech game? It was close. I think they won like right there at the very end. I think they blocked uh, an extra point in overtime or something like that. God, Tech is so close to like <laughs> they're so they're <laughs> snake bitten. I mean, they lost to us barely. Oh. They lost to 
UAB barely. They lost to South Carolina barely in game. Mm-hmm. In, those, in those games, they pretty much dominated. So, but you look at these stats here. You're pointing them out. Our yards passing per game, uh, roughly 80 more yards, 70, 80 more yards than UAB, and then the rushing yards allowed. They're giving up close to I don't know 60 more yards than we are. That's a lot of yardage right there. It is, and that that's probably why we're a you know 13 point favorite right and, now. And we're hot. We are hot. You know, I, I think the the things that you know, I'm sure any fan that's been watching is concerned about is the consistency, especially with the turnovers. I think the defense has been playing great. We got a couple of injuries that happened, and we mm-hmm. don't know where we stand on those. Yes, don't know if Edo is going to be back. But on the flip side. I think their star running back, Spencer Brown's a little banged up. I'm not sure he's going to play this weekend. I haven't seen the latest on it, but I heard he was – I don't think they released like the NFL does where it's questionable or not, but I would. I think it's safe to call him questionable. So um, if both of those guys are out, that's a wash. This is not a game that we can just not show up and, and come out of there with a win. No, like you said, they're going to be gunning for us. Um, I, I think we, I think we sh- have the edge. I think it's clear why we have the edge. We just have to go up there and take care of business. Ever since 2011 – that game? Yeah. Uh I never take this game for granted. No. And I don't think I don't think Southern Miss fan I think we used to. I think when we went on that streak of like eight or nine straight wins against them, we were kinda like, Well, this is a given. No matter how good they play, we'll find a way to win. This but, game's uh. gonna be tough. This game's gonna be football weather. We need people to pack the rock, get out and enjoy some tailgating, come by the tent. We're gonna have some fireball. <laughs> Jason's amped up. The, these Skittles have got my man juiced up over here. The juice. All right, we're going to take a break. You guys come back to us. we got one more segment, more Southern Mr. Talk, with you right here on To The Top Talk. All right, welcome back to To The Top Talk. Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey here in studio talking Southern Miss. Let's shut it down. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Special thanks to our guest this week, John Gilbert. You can follow us on Twitter at To The Top Talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook as well, To The Top Talk, Jamie Arrington Comedy. Got some upcoming comedy shows I'm going to be announcing in the next few weeks. Next week, my good friend Benji Gray from the uh, mascot squad at the University of Tennessee back in the day, back at the old click. He's going to be coming on talking University of Tennessee football with us. Cool. So hopefully he'll be in a good mood. We'll see. I mean, as far as just wanting to talk about it, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But back to the interview at John Gilbert. You know, I know you haven't got to listen to it in its entirety, but any quick thoughts on what you thought? Well, I'm glad you asked because – I think that, like most Southern Miss fans, um, you know, Southern Miss fans will be as loyal as the day is long once they trust you. Exactly. And just from that little snippet, uh, I thought he was honest, and I thought he, you know, I, I thought that I kind of began to turn that, not that I don't trust him, just don't know him. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know him well enough. So and, and I hope that's what I get out of it once I listen to the rest. And I, I thought, you know, once you hear all of it, I kind of felt like he didn't want it to, he doesn't want it to be about him. He wants it to be about the job at hand. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at some of the situations. I felt like he's he's, he's kind of a good silver, uh, servant leader. Yeah, you know, just just not you know jumping jumping around, just trying to give himself a pat on the back. Right, not not which t- which I dig. Not telling people to do stuff he wouldn't do himself. He was out there working the grounds crew. I, I mean, I, I respect that. I hope that's. I mean, he seems like a genuine guy. He seems like a selfless guy. So he just may not be 
the outgoing, outstanding personality that you might see in that position at times, but he seems like he just gets the job done. Did you ask him what his latest time is on the uh, 110 gassers? We talked about it. Okay. <laughs> we talked about it, and he had, he had something to say about that. So if you want to hear that interview in its entirety, go check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. We'll have it up later tonight and the rest of your life after after this evening. And he called me Bump. Yeah. So I feel like I can call him Gibby. There you go. You guys got pet names for each other. I don't oh, I don't geez. know what that's about. All right. Take it back. <laughs> so um, a little bit of conference talk before we shut it down completely. Right now in the standing, Southern Miss tied for first place in the West mm-hmm. with North Texas. North Texas obviously has the advantage right now given our head-to-head record, but hopefully somebody can knock them off and hopefully we can keep the party going. So right now in the West, Southern Miss, North Texas 3-1 and one in conference, UAB 2-2. Two and two. UTSA one and two, Louisiana Tech one and two, Rice one and two, and then UTEP zero and three. And the East is kind of interesting. Marshall three and zero. Also FAU three and zero. FAU just been blowing people out of the water. Eight hundred and something yards last game. Uh, and hey, shout out to Lane Kiffin for for blowing up North Texas for us. Much appreciated, my man. Western Kentucky three and one. FIU two and one. MTSU one and three. Charlotte one and three. And then Old Dominion zero and three. So. If Southern Miss is going to make the conference championship, somebody's going to have to knock off North Texas, and we're going to have to keep the party going. If Southern Miss is going to host a conference championship, I'm not getting ahead of myself, we're going to need Marshall and FAU to at least take a loss apiece. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be, but that's what's going to have to happen. Hey, we were down 11 with a minute and a half to go last week. You're, you're exactly right. All right, so guys, real quick, weather for Saturday is looking better. We've got a high of 58, partly cloudy, low of 36. It's going to be chilly. Put on your football clothes. Put on your your toboggans. Put on your gloves. Come out there. going to be a great atmosphere this weekend at The Rock. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.